Amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning. You may be seated. Before we get into the message this morning, uh, just a reminder that we've got about 20 gals up at Prescott for the women's retreat this weekend, and they're having a great time up there. And men, don't forget to uh, go out to the table and sign up for the men's retreat coming up in a couple of months as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning as we continue our series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be looking at verses 17, 18, 19, and 20 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 17 through 20. Before we get into these verses, let me quickly couple what Paul's talking about today with what we talked about last week. Paul had ended by talking about the fact that he was so thankful that when they came to Thessalonica, he and his companions, and they shared the Word of God with these folks, that they were open to the Word of God. They allowed the Word of God to work in them. They allowed God to spiritually operate in them through his word. And one of the greatest evidences that you and I are allowing the word of God to work and operate in our lives will be seen through our relationships. I believe that our relationships, more than anything else, will show the evidence of Christ in our life. Let me repeat that, because that's important. Our relationships will show more than anything else the evidence that Christ truly lives within us. Before we get to this passage, let me remind you all of something that we talked about this past Wednesday night. Jesus said, By your love for one another, speaking about us as Christians, the love that we are to have for one another, Jesus said that, more than anything else, is a distinguishing mark of my disciples. John 13, 35. He didn't say, are witnessing to the lost. He didn't say our prayer life. He didn't say our knowledge of the Word. He didn't say our Christian service. As good as all those things are, Jesus said the number one distinguishing mark that you are my disciples is the love that you as brothers and sisters have for one another. Now Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about why does Jesus say that? But I think we get... Part of the answer in what Paul says to the Thessalonians here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 17. Notice he says, but when we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person. For we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, in fact, tried again and again, but Satan thwarted us. 
For who is our hope or joy or crown to boast of before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not, of course, you? For you are our glory and our joy. Paul starts out, verse 17, with the word but. It marks a strong contrast that Paul is making here. Because Paul mentioned up in verse 14 of chapter 2, how the Thessalonians had been severely treated and persecuted and suffered uh, by the hands of their own countrymen. In other words, their own people, their own families, if you will, had rejected them and turned their back on them because of their allegiance of, uh, of Christ and because of them embracing Christ and turning to God. And Paul says, but we didn't do that. We didn't treat you that way. In fact, Paul goes on to say, when we were separated from you, very strong words. The word separated means to literally be bereaved of or deprived of or to be torn from someone unwillingly. In fact, it's the word where we get the word even orphaned from. Paul says, that's, that's how I, as your brother in Christ, felt about you whenever we were torn from you. We felt deprived that we were not able to be with you any longer. Paul didn't like being separated from his brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, I remind you that the term brothers and sisters that Paul uses here in chapter 2 verse 17 is where we get the concept of born from the same womb. That Paul is saying as fellow believers in Jesus Christ, there should be a bond of affection that exists in our lives toward one another. Again, going back to the words of Jesus himself, this above everything else, Jesus says, the love that you have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ will be the distinguishing mark that you are my disciples. Do we have that kind of love for one another? Do we feel the way Paul felt about the Thessalonians when we are separated from one another? Does it bother us at all when we're separated? Do we long to be together with one another? Paul says as Christians, to me, that's the model he's laying down here. We see the heart of Paul laid bare here before the Thessalonians and before us. He says, even though we were separated for a short time in presence, meaning physically we were separated, he says, I was never separated from you in affection. Literally in the Greek, in heart. In other words, Paul says, in my feelings and in my thoughts, you were always there. I never stopped thinking about you all. I never stopped uh, feeling for you guys. I was there with you. In spirit, whether I could be with you physically or not. That's the kind of bond that God wants to see in His people with each other. That's what a model church should be about. Relationships. All about relationships. I go back to what I said at the very beginning. Relationships, more than anything else, will show the evidence of Christ in our life. He says, we became all the more fervent. The words mean to exert great effort in our great desire, our longing and passion to see you in person. 
For Paul, it wasn't enough that he could have them in his thoughts and feelings. Paul wanted to continually exert great effort to get together with his brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica. He wanted to be with them. There's nothing that replaces being together with one another. And we, you know, we can, we can talk over, you know, the phone to people that are important to us and, and we can write emails and we can even text and do all that. But there's something about, you know, being together in the flesh, in person, face to face. There's nothing that replaces that. I'm so encouraged that there's so many people that when they can't, you know, make it on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday, they have, they have the podcasts to listen to. But folks, please hear from me that nothing replaces being there. Because it's not just a matter of you or me being there. It's a matter of being in that group of our brothers and sisters in Christ and being together with them. There's something that God does that cannot happen over a screen. It's when we're face to face with each other. And in a sense, rubbing flesh to flesh. And Paul says, I want you to know that even though we were torn from you unwillingly, I never stopped thinking about you. I never stopped praying for you. You were never far from my feeling and in my heart. And I, I did everything I could to see you face to face. I wonder how many of us as Christians could say that we truly exert great effort to be with one another. You see. This is the heart of the Apostle Paul. This is the heart that Paul had for his brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. Some of you may wonder, why does Pastor Jeff have such a passion himself for the local church and and for us living in community and and for us being in relationships, in, in intimate relationships with each other. Why is that so important to Pastor Jeff? Well, first of all, I believe it's biblical. That that's the number one reason. That's God's standard for how we should be as brothers and sisters. But I do have some of a personal story that I think adds to my passion and longing for that to happen. Because I know in my own life, as I stand before you, how important it is that I have and that I had through my life brothers and sisters in Christ in my life. I I came from a family situation that might be similar to some of you and and in some ways, though, might be very different than some of you. Because we all have different stories and different backgrounds and different families that we come from. But let me just take a moment, I don't do this very often, to share with you a little bit of my personal background and why that might feed this a little bit. As many of you know in my personal testimony that I've shared before, I I had a brother or sister, but they both died before I was born. So I didn't grow up with brothers or sisters. I grew up an only child, and not that there's anything wrong with that. But I got to tell you that when I came into the body of Christ and 
growing up in local churches, I realized that the brothers and sisters that maybe I didn't have physically, I had through my brothers and sisters at my church. And even in my extended family. See, the family that I came from, my mom and dad was about the only Christians on both sides of their family. When it came to my aunts and uncles and my cousins and whatever, none of them were believers. And so, obviously then, we could only have so much in common with my family. And it got to the point even as I got older and I I truly committed my life to Christ and then I became a pastor where when I would get together with my family, it got even worse. Because those occasions where we would get together, my family would use it as sort of a, a subtle opportunity to attack me and my faith. I had more, much more in common with my brothers and sisters in Christ at my local church than I had with my own family members. And still do to this day. And that's why I look at you the way I do. Because you've got to understand, I have a closeness with you that I don't have with my own family. You see. And isn't that what Jesus said? When he responded to Peter that day, when Peter said, Lord, you know we've left all to follow you. And Jesus said, if you've left all to follow me, if you've left mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, in other words, by you embracing me and following me, your your family sort of didn't want to have much to do with you. You didn't feel as close to your family. You realize that you will have Many more fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, both in this life and the life to come. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about the fact that when you and I embrace Christ, yeah, we might not be as close to our physical families, but we have another family that we can be and feel close to. That's what Paul's talking about here. That's why Paul, I think, because when Paul, when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he became a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe that Paul lost a lot of relationships in his life. And it's one of the reasons why he looked at his brothers and sisters in Christ the way he did, and why he felt about them the way that he did. Not only because he lived with the fact that he persecuted many of their relatives, before he became a Christian. But I think also a much stronger emotion in Paul was that he realized that he had in these relationships with his fellow believers something that he had no longer with his own family. And oh, that we could capture that today in the body of Christ. That again, we would look at each other and realize the precious treasure that we have in one another. This is what Paul's talking about here. When he says to the Thessalonians, you were treated wickedly by your own countrymen. They persecuted you. They rejected you. But we didn't feel that way about you. When we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person.
And then he adds this. In verse 17, if we see the heart of Paul, in verse 18, he also now points out a hindrance that all of us, including him, are going to have to deal with when it comes to our relationships with one another. Paul says, we wanted to come to you. It wasn't a matter of, we didn't want to see you. He says, I, Paul, in fact, tried again and again, but Satan, our spiritual adversary and enemy, thwarted us. The word thwarted here means to hinder or impede or to come between. Don't miss what Paul's teaching here. Paul is saying that every time believers try to get together, Satan is going to be there to thwart it, to hinder it, to impede it, to come between it. Because Satan doesn't want believers in Christ coming together. He will do everything he can to keep us apart. In fact, this word is a very interesting word. It was used back in Paul's day as a military term for military uh, groups blowing up roads and bridges to stop the advance of an army. It's a big, good picture. See, Satan tries to keep Christians apart from one another. And so you and I have to acknowledge... If, if we know that going in, you know, the Bible tells us, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. As Christians, we should not be ignorant of the strategy of our spiritual enemy. If our spiritual enemy's strategy we know is to come between us, to keep us apart, then that means we should be intentional all the more to get together. Now, like Paul, There may be times where the hindrance is so great, we can't overcome it for a time. But we also have to acknowledge and recognize that there are many less hindrances that can come between us that we shouldn't allow to. I'll just say it here again. You as a Christian, you will have at least one hindrance to come to church every Sunday. You will have at least one hindrance, if you can make it, to come to church on Wednesday night. And unless you and I realize, you know what, I can't let anything and everything keep me from being where I know I need to be, we would never be there. Because there's always going to be something that comes up. Some kind of a hindrance, an obstacle, an impediment that gets thrown in our way. Now again, sometimes... It's too big for us to overcome, but we've got to recognize there are many other times where we need to overcome those hindrances because we've got to understand something. It's important that we come together and Satan's going to do everything he can to keep us apart. Part of then what we need to do is keep trying to get together. And there's one other thing I want to say here. Obviously, We know that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign. So even in God's sovereignty and sovereign plan, there is a higher purpose and reason why even God allows Satan to thwart, at times, Christians getting together. And we know from the nature of God that it's never intended from His perspective and His point of view to, to somehow 
be detrimental to us spiritually. It's just the opposite. It's to build strength in us spiritually and build resolve in us spiritually. And I think that's the way Paul took it. I'm not going to let Satan get the last word. Satan may continue to try to throw up roadblocks to me getting together with you in Thessalonica, but I'm going to keep trying. And one day I'm going to get through and we're going to be together again. And and we know that that happened. Because again, God will only allow Satan to thwart it so long and then God's going to put a stop to it. And remove that obstacle or impediment. I think sometimes what God wants to see is how bad do we want something? Do we want it bad enough? Is it a big enough issue for us that we're not going to let some kind of hindrance continue to keep us from one another and doing what the Bible tells us we should do as believers? Or when we get a hindrance, we just throw up and go, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. So we won't even try. Paul says, no, we tried again and again. And we're going to continue to try again and again because we know that it's going to be a good thing when we get together. God's going to use it to strengthen both of us. And Satan doesn't like it. And so Satan's going to try to keep us apart. And then Paul says these amazing words in verse 19. He doesn't say what is our hope. He points now the Thessalonians and he wants them to begin to think about the day that they and Paul are standing in the presence of Jesus Christ. That they are literally before him when he returns. And he says, I want you to think about this with me. He says, at the end of our life, When all is said and done, what is really going to matter in the presence of Jesus? And you know what Paul says in verses 19 and 20? Relationships. Relationships is really what's going to matter. Because notice, he doesn't say, what is our hope or our glory or our crown He says, who is going to be our hope, our joy, or crown to boast of before our Lord Jesus when he comes? Not what is the evidence of Christ in my life, but who is the evidence of Christ in my life? Who am I going to be surrounded by in heaven with Jesus? And Paul says, those relationships that we have invested in and that we have forged in this life, that's what makes this life worthwhile. That's what gives this life on earth meaning. That's what brings fulfillment and satisfaction to us as human beings in this life is relationships. And at the end of it all, that's really it. See, That's why I tell Christians, that's why God, when you and I get saved, doesn't just zap us straight to heaven. I haven't even Christians. Why, when we get saved, doesn't God just take us away from this earth and just take us right to be with Him? I'll tell you why. 
Because his plan has always been that I'm going to leave you on this earth because the one thing, the one thing that makes our life on this earth purposeful and meaningful and worthwhile the whole time as Christians we are on this earth until we go to be with Jesus is the lives that you and I have impacted and influenced for God. It's the relationships that you and I have even had with each other and how we have come together as God's people and seen God work through us. That's what Paul means about when he says, I one day am going to be able to boast before my Lord. He's not talking in a prideful, arrogant way. He's simply acknowledging that you in Thessalonica are going to be the evidence of what God did through us. That's what's going to make our lives worthwhile when we get to heaven. Nothing else. Paul's not laying out all this different criteria. Paul just simply goes back to, it's all going to be about the people. That's it. Because we can't take any of our stuff with us anyway. So then when you begin to think about the words of Jesus when he says to his followers, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, maybe that even takes on a new meaning. That maybe the treasure that Paul's talking about are people and relationships. Because isn't that what Paul's saying here? Notice again what Paul's words are. Who is our hope or joy or crown to boast of before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not, of course, you? The word hope speaks, speaks about what Paul's expectations and, and what he's anticipating. That's what the word hope means. And Paul's saying, my anticipation... When the Lord comes and when we are all standing there before Him, is that we're going to be together. And that's important to Paul. Because remember, Paul earlier on here has talked about how painful it was that, that he was separated from them. And Paul is declaring that one day there will be no more separation. We will all be together for all eternity. Never to be separated from each other again. Never to have to go through that pain of being physically separated from one another. Paul was anticipating that. And if the Lord doesn't come in our lifetime, then even those of us at the Oasis, we will through the years be sending people from our spiritual church family on ahead of us and we will be separated from them for a time but one day as paul said to the thessalonians we're all going to be together again paul also calls them in verse 19 his joy his delight paul says you know what's going to bring me joy when i get before jesus us what God accomplished through us and the people's lives that God used to, to touch other people's lives. Paul says that's what's going to bring joy because that's what made this life and staying behind on this earth worthwhile. That's what gave it meaning. And then Paul uses the word crown. 
I know that word very, very well. It's the Greek word Stephanos. It's where we get the word or the name Stephen from. It literally means one that surrounds or is surrounded. Because it was this wreath that literally surrounded the head of one who had been victorious. This isn't the only time Paul uses this in relationship to other people. Keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians and just go back with me for a a moment to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Just back a few pages. Notice what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 4.1. So then, my brothers and sisters, dear friends, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, stand in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. By the way, he used dear friends there twice. Beloved, those I have great affection for. Again, you can see the heart of Paul as he talks to his fellow believers. And then back to verse 20 of 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul says, for you, and in the Greek it's especially you, Paul says. For especially you are our glory and joy. Why is Paul using these words, speaking to the Thessalonians? These are words that speak to the infinite worth and value of someone. Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, I love you. You are dear to me. And you got to understand, you are of great worth and value to me. In a sense, Paul is saying... It has been an honor for me to be a part of your life. I think, wow. Do we feel that way about one another? Do we truly feel that way about one another? I want you to know it. It's an honor for me to be in your life. It's an honor for me that God called me to be your pastor. I take that very seriously. It's one of the reasons why sometimes people, I think, don't understand that when someone leaves our spiritual family, how it affects me. All I can tell you is, I get attached. (laughs) If, If God has brought you here as one of our sheep, then I truly care about you and and want to be there for you in any way that I can to spiritually shepherd and encourage you. If you're not around anymore, you gotta understand. I feel the way about you or others that Paul felt about the Thessalonians. I don't like it. I wish we never had to be separated. I wish we could just all learn to get along and to do what God's called us to do together. Because at the end, at the end of our life, 
When we stand before Jesus, the one thing that's really going to matter is our relationships with each other. Relationships, more than anything else, show the evidence of Christ in our life. One other thing. Did you notice something that Paul did here in these verses? He did something very important. He shared with people how he felt about them before they died. One of the reasons I think I'm sensitive to that also as a pastor is because in 31 years of doing funeral services and memorial services, I've been a part of so many memorial services where people take the opportunity, once someone has died, to get up and to share in front of so many people what that person meant to them and how they felt about them. But they never took the opportunity to do it while they were still alive. I love what Paul did here. He didn't wait till the Thessalonians were dead to talk to them about how much they meant to him. He didn't wait till he was dead. He took the opportunity to verbalize his affection and love for them while they were still living. And all I can say to Paul is, Amen, Paul. Thank you for setting an example for all of us. Because all of us need to do a better job at making sure that the people that we love and care about, the people who truly mean something to us, that we let them know it while they're still alive rather than waiting till we get up at their memorial service or their funeral and then tell them, what they meant. That's what Paul did. Why does God not zap us to heaven when we become a Christian? Because God wants to keep us on earth so that he can work in and through our lives to touch other people. Because at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, that's really all that's going to matter. So I want you to think now for just a moment. Let your minds just be moved ahead a little bit. And let yourself see yourself, like Paul, standing before the Lord Jesus one day. Who's going to be there with you? Who's going to be standing there with you? Who's your crown and your joy, and your delight, and your hope, and your glory. See, even this whole acquisition of land, and eventually getting the building built, and moving over there, and all that, all that's great. But all of that doesn't mean a thing from God's perspective if what this journey that God has us on as a church doesn't bring us closer together and help even solidify and, and reinforce the relationships that we already have. 
Because at the end of the day, when we get before Jesus, it's not going to be about homes and churches and buildings and anything physical and any of the stuff that we've accumulated. When we get before Jesus, the only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with Him and the relationships that we invested in and forged in this life. That's what makes living on this earth, even with all of its yuck, that's what makes it worthwhile. And one day, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think about it pretty often. I actually visualize you all with me in heaven with Jesus, standing there, smiling, looking at each other, and even just being able to communicate with each other without talking, as good friends and close friends can do. Almost just acknowledging, yeah, that was pretty cool what God did through us, huh? God took this small group of believers in, in Chandler, Arizona, and, and look what he did. Look at the lives that he impacted through our little church. That's what it's going to be about one day. We're going to close a little bit differently today. That's why I asked... Nicole and the worship team to just go ahead and do all four songs. It's what I want to ask of you, and especially with the group that we have today, I think we can pull this off without too much. And please just, if you're visiting with us, this isn't usually how we do things, okay? But i just like to ask us to do this this Sunday. I'd like to ask everybody if, if we would just get up out of our seats and I'll start down here and we just form a circle that goes around. And those of you in the back sections, if you would come down and, and do a circle right there and let's just all get in a circle with each other and see if we can make this circle work around these three sections right here. If we have to go bigger, we will. But let's see if we can make it happen. Can I ask you to do that, please? Once you get together, hold hands all around the circle. No gaps. It doesn't have to be a perfect circle, so let's do a little amoeba thingy there. There we go. Cool. You know what's cool to me? One thing is, a lot of churches couldn't do this. <laughs> too big. And I, I realize, too, that some of you are sort of, with fear and trepidation, sort of following us into this next phase because you're, you're concerned that we're going to lose this. Well, all I can tell you is whatever God has planned for us, it's good. You don't need to be afraid of it. 
And I think if we truly love each other and we love people as we're supposed to, and we love brothers and sisters in Christ, then don't we want to see maybe a few more people added to this group that we can love on and they can love on us? Because again, at the end of it all, in eternity, isn't that what it's all about? It's about relationships. So I just want us, want us to close in prayer with holding each other's hands and just letting you know that I just thought this was a very appropriate way to end this Sunday morning service because of what Paul has shared with us in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And again, before I close in prayer, let me say to each and every one of you, as Paul would say to the Thessalonians, it is an honor to be your pastor and to be a part of your life. I truly love you and appreciate each of you and want you to know that one day when we stand before Jesus in heaven, this is what it's all about, folks. This is what it's all about. Let's pray. Lord, I, I hope that all of us today have realized once again how important our relationships are with one another. And that God, it's really about our relationships with each other that give life its meaning it, it makes living on earth worthwhile. It gives purpose to our lives. That's why you leave us here. Because you want our lives to make a difference in other people's lives. You want our relationships to be the evidence that you are truly in our lives. And one day, God, I know when we are all standing in heaven and hopefully... Everyone standing here today will be there. That we will look back even on this day. And remember that day at Basha High School. The last Sunday of February. Where we were holding hands. And yet we were going to have to walk out those doors and be separated for a while from each other again. But... There's coming a day where that separation will never happen again. Where all those who know you as personal Savior will be together forever. God, impress upon us more than ever that we need to invest in and be very intentional, God, about building and maintaining our relationships with one another. Looking at each other as truly a, a treasure to cherish. And God, I just pray that you would continue to just knit our hearts together. And God, if there's a few other families and a few other folks out there in the Chandler Gilbert area that could really use a church family like this, 
then God, bring them our way. And just let us open up our arms and hearts to them too. God, just use us to make a difference in this world. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. Have a great week.